welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. I'm not sure if any team has won the NFL offseason more than the Miami Dolphins. The Tyreek Hill signing made the Dolphins immediately relevant, and when paired with dynamic sophomore to be Jalen Waddell, they could be one of the best receiver tandems in the league. However, can quarterback Tua Tungavailoa take the Dolphins' offense to the next level, or will fans be clamoring quickly for his backup? And how will the recent disciplining of the Dolphins over tampering affect their future? To find out what's going on with the Dolphins as training camp is in full swing and preseason games are just days away, I welcome in Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. Joe has covered the Dolphins for many years, and he's seen a lot of Dolphins optimism extinguished early in many seasons. After all, the Dolphins have only made the playoffs once in the last 13 seasons. And last season certainly ended on a bitter note. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast helps support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Aside from covering training camp, Joe Shad and his Palm Beach Post colleague Hal Habib ranked the top 25 most important Dolphins throughout the summer. We'll ask him how they did their rankings, and we'll hear who was number one. So let's jump right in with Joe. Joe, thanks for returning to the podcast for our landmark 75th episode. Any idea how many times you've been on? Uh, is this my fifth appearance? Close. It's actually your sixth time, so congratulations. Checks in the mail. <laughs> well, let's start here because there is a whole lot going on with the Dolphins. And obviously there was that big news that dropped earlier this week where the Dolphins were sanctioned for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. You know, this is something that had been whispered about for some time. So were you surprised at the timing that this came down this week? And what does it mean for the team next year and into the future? Well, it's certainly damaging to the Dolphins to lose a first round draft pick, their own first round draft pick in the 2023 draft because they were one of a a small handful of teams that had two first round draft picks that they could conceivably use for a big need, like let's say a quarterback, if Tuatunga Vailoa was not to pan out this season. Of course, the Dolphins are hoping that he will. But even if you look at like the ESPN mock draft for 2023, they had the Dolphins selecting a running back from Texas with the 11th pick. And of course, the Dolphins are hoping they pick much lower than 11th. But, you know, you're going to lose out on a, on a really premier player, regardless of position. So, you know, as far as the timing, you know, it made sense that this needed to come out prior to the start of the season. This was a six-month investigation. And uh, it's never a good sign when uh, a league or the former SEC commissioner or some crazy investigator uh, person with years of experience and things well beyond the scope of football is looking into your integrity. That's never good. Uh, And so, you know, what they found, look, tampering happens. We know what happens. Look at the NBA. (laughs) Look at NFL free agency. The Dolphins and owner Stephen Ross, they were just way too sloppy on this deal. Way too sloppy. And unfortunately, as I wrote in a recent Palm Beach Post column, that's kind of been the MO for owner Stephen Ross 
in, in the Dolphins under his leadership. There's been a lot of embarrassing moments, too many embarrassing moments to, to list on this podcast. I mean, he's, though, in a way, he has to feel like the guy who got pulled over for speeding on I-95 as 12 more cars go speeding by faster than he was. I mean, this happens so much. It just, it, it, I guess because of the high-profile nature of Brady and Peyton, but it, how come we don't hear about more of this then? Well, they nailed the Dolphins for tampering, but I think part of the reason the penalty was so big is that the league was not pleased with what they learned about Stephen Ross's approach to tanking. Now, the Dolphins were not punished for throwing games. Uh, the league concluded that they did not throw games. But, you know, that, that's not how the tanking works. The Dolphins could say, well, it's proof we did not tank. Well, I, I guess, you, okay, you didn't throw games, but you, in, the, the, the owner, Ross, was found to have told everyone in the organization from the CEO to the COO to the general manager to the coach to the guy who does player contracts to prioritize uh, the future over winning, to prioritize the draft, to, to prioritize the tank for Tua. And uh, frankly, I have no problem with that at all. Uh, I think it was a good idea. Now, it was a mistake to probably take, it was, you know, was a mistake to take Tua over Justin Herbert. But I, so I think that part of the reason the Dolphins were nailed so harshly for the tampering and the owner, uh, the uh, commissioner, Roger Goodell, did say that like, he had never seen ownership so directly involved. Usually you have your henchmen do the dirty work for you. In this case, it was literally, you know, Ross meeting with Brady on a yacht like like no one's going to take a picture of that. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like a movie where the villain decides he's going to do the dirty work himself instead of the henchman. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tampering. And, and the worst part for the Dolphins is they didn't get the guys. Like, you know, like the New York Knicks, they got this point guard Brunson or whatever. And so they're being investigated for tampering. And, of course, everyone thinks the Knicks overpaid for this Brunson guy. And that, uh, you know, it's a joke that they had to tamper for him. Uh, but that just shows the desperate state of the Knicks. And the parallel, Tim, is that the Dolphins are desperate. Since yeah. Tom Brady became starting quarterback for the New England Patriots in 2001, the Dolphins have a grand total of zero playoff victories. And so Ross, whether you think he's uh, a good owner or not, uh, he, he does desperately want to win. He does swing for the fences. You can't blame a guy for trying, I guess. <laughs> you know, maybe there's a Doctor Strange alternate universe where Brady was the quarterback for the Dolphins, but I guess we'll, we'll never know. <laughs> I put out a poll, like, all right, hey, Dolphin fans, you know, knowing what you know now, if you had to have had Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson, which one would you rather have had? Of course, fans are like, you're an idiot. What an irrelevant poll. And I'm like, well, no, it's not really irrelevant. The Dolphins literally wanted both guys. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a stupid poll. It's actually like a real poll about a real thing that happened. The Dolphins tried to replace or choose Brady instead of uh, Tonga Vailoa and Watson instead of Tonga Vailoa, which I'm sure makes Tonga Vailoa feel great about <laughs> About yeah. the, about 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 things, but but listen, I mean, Watson is 
one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in recent history. And Brady is one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. So even Tua, when looking in the mirror, must say, all right, I, I get it. Well, you know, there there's some funny numbers that I can give you. Number one is that Tom Brady, when he starts this season, will be the 10th oldest player ever in the NFL. And if he can make it till January, he will be the 6th oldest player ever to play in the NFL. He has 35 playoff victories, and 25 of those are against AFC teams. 10 are against NFC teams, which is good for second all-time in the NFC behind Brett Favre. And obviously, August 3rd, so just a day or two ago, he turned 45. And uh, he debuted in one game in 2000, November 23rd, 2000. And that was just five weeks prior to the Dolphins' last playoff win. So that's just some crazy numbers to throw out there. If Brady had come to the Dolphins instead of Tua, because that was kind of the first time when he became a free agent, um, I think he and Brian Flores' defense, you know, would have gone to like the AFC Championship game uh, within a year or two. Um, I don't know if they would have won a Super Bowl. And then if if Sean Payton and Tom Brady had come to the Dolphins, uh, you know, last year or this year, um, I, I think similar scenario. I don't know if they would have won, would have or you know, won a Super Bowl, but they certainly would have been AFC. Um, favorites. And so, you know, it would be, would have been very fascinating. You know, Ross loves stars. He's, you know, um, but I think for the long-term interests of the Dolphins, it's, you know, long-term, it's much better to have one of the youngest coaches in the NFL, a 39-year-old Mike McDaniel and a young quarterback, a 25 or so year old quarterback to a tongue of Aloha. Um, I personally find this dynamic uh, as compelling uh, as the Brady Payton one would have been. Yeah. Well, you know, let, let's start talking about some of the, the actual on the field stuff because, look, they didn't get Tom Brady, but they did get Tyreek Hill. And Hill, he's such a great, vibrant personality. And I think he's been the best hype man ever as he's been touting Tunga Vailoa. So, you know, how have you seen those two meshing early on here as camp's been going about a week, week and a half? Really well. Um, I mean, Tyreek is an incredible player. He just gets open and he runs past you and he catches everything and he twists his body in the air and he comes down with the ball and then he does backflips and then he waves his arms and then he throws up two fingers and then he pumps up his team. It's like awesome. It's so much fun. It's great fun. The Dolphins have needed a brash, bold superstar. And it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of Tonga Veloa. I, I hate the word pressure. I shouldn't say that. But a little bit of the glare and spotlight off of Tonga Veloa. And I know I'm still, I say that, but by the same token, I've still written four Tonga Veloa columns in the last 10 days. So obviously it's still a, a huge storyline. Um, but I don't know. I think it just makes things so much easier for Tua to have a player the caliber of Hill, and then that pushes Jalen Waddell down to the number two receiver. It's kind of like, you know, the Mets having Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, and I keep mentioning New York teams, but I have to admit I was born in New York, and so I do watch the New York Mets. Uh, and I did go to the Mets-Marlins game recently, and there were more Mar Mets fans there than Marlins fans. I hope that that changed at some point in time. But um, but the combination of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle is so exciting 
And in my opinion, doesn't matter who the quarterback is, could be Jared Goff or Mitch Trubisky, they would be unstoppable. And I think that they're going to make Tua look really good this year. Yeah, you know, when you talk about Tua, obviously you get to see him in person. So I I really read mostly what you're writing and and what other people are writing. But you read that he's bigger and stronger, you know. So physically, how is he looking? And then obviously earlier this summer, there was that video that was posted where it looked more like a wobbly pass that Tyreek Hill brought in. And it was a weird thing for the Dolphins PR people to put out there. So what is the reality for two of the season. I mean, how, how does he look to you physically? He looks better, and he should look better. It's his third year. He had a good, strong year of um, focus on improving the muscles that are football-specific as opposed to rehabilitative from his serious hip injury. So, um, listen, his body is stronger, his core is stronger, his arm is stronger. All that said, he is never going to be taller than six feet. And... Um, and he's never going to have Jer- Justin Herbert's arm. Um, but it, it might very well be good enough for what Coach Mike McDaniel is going to ask him to do, which is lots of slants and crosses and outs and screeners and misdirection and play action and bootlegs where the running back and all the offensive linemen are going left and he's in a Jimmy Garoppolo-like fashion rolling out to the right and hitting Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle on the flat who then turns it up the sideline for seven foot 75 yards. That's the play that's going to get the box score to say Tonga Vailoa 75 yard touchdown pass. Now, every now and then when the running game is working and the Dolphins think their running game will be improved and the safeties start to creep up because they don't think Tua can throw it over the top. He has shown in practice for the first time ever that he, yes, can in fact complete and maybe not regularly or routinely or consistently, but uh, throw it 50 to 60 yards in the air. And he has to be able to do that. Otherwise, Tyreek Hill and Mike McDaniel and Dolphin fans and Dolphins reporters are going to point it out and everyone's going to be mad. (laughs) I asked Tua yesterday, hey, Tua, why do you think more than 2.8 million people watched a social media clip of you throwing a 65-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill? And to his credit, he was truthful. He said later, oh, you know, I try to give politically correct answers, but he, this was the truth. He said, because people think I can't throw the football. I can't throw it far. And he's absolutely right. That's why 2.8 million people watch that video. But his, he's got a little more zip on the ball, and that's good. He, need a little more zip. He, need, he has needed a little more zip on the football, not just – the deep pass, but when you're a little off platform, when you're a little off balance, when you're a little under pressure, when it's a little bit unscheduled, that's the challenge for a smaller man without a cannon on a strap to his shoulder. <laughs> well, you know, last year, even though he didn't have, you know, as many deep balls as a lot of the top quarterbacks, he actually had a fairly high completion percentage. But I think one of the problems was was time. I mean, historic. if you look at these stats, the offensive line was one of the historically worst in NFL history. So how has that been improved? Will he have better people that can give him the time to possibly throw it deeper to Hill? You know, the thing about the Dolphins' offensive line is that they are hoping that two guys who really struggled last year, Austin Jackson, who moves from left guard to right tackle, and Liam Eichenberg, who moves from right 
tackle to left guard um, are much better in this new zone scheme. And I do think that the scheme suits them well. It's something that's more similar to what Jackson did at USC. It's something that's more similar to what Eichenberg did at Notre Dame. The Dolphins also added Connor Williams. And yesterday, uh, the uh, Dolphins offensive line coach, Matt Applebaum, said that Connor Williams has been kicking, I'll say, but he used a different word. Uh, so the Dolphins think that they have the, the solution at center, and they think that they're going to be much better at left tackle with the proven all-pro pro bowler, Teron Armstead, who is easing back into action. That's the big concern with Armstead. Can he stay healthy? Will he play 12 or more games? Absolutely, the Dolphins' offensive line should be improved. Um, how improved, we'll see. But even if the Dolphins can just put out a competent league average offensive line, that would make a huge difference. One of the things that's going to help is the Dolphins think they can establish a running game. Uh, they, they were so pathetic in the run game that that made things much more difficult for Tua in the passing game. Yeah, they, they definitely improved there. So this is going to be my last question about the offense. You have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson, Mike Jacecki. You've brought in Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. Others are, you know, playing offense. So how can the new head coach, Mike McDaniel, be able to keep everyone on this offense happy? Because you are going to have to spread the ball around a lot. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to take a lot of unselfishness. Um, you know, Mike Kosicki, who's playing on the franchise tag, which is never an ideal situation. He's been kind of keeping it zippered. I think he even had a keeping it zippered uh, icon on, on an Instagram story recently. That's how, that's how we communicate what we really think now <laughs> through Insta, Insta stories or whatever. Um, I should start putting out Insta stories so, so people can say, what do you, I wonder what Joe Shad is thinking. What, do you, what does that mean? <laughs> what do you think it means? I'm always Googling. I'm always Googling, like, what does this phrase mean or what does this meme mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, it's never what I think it is. But, but Kasiki, to get back to the point, he um, – he, he said, look, I had an entire practice where my hip was attached to the offensive tackle. And that's not Gesicki's strength. His strength is being used as a slot wide receiver. But the Dolphins have three receivers who are capable of playing slot more explosively than Gesicki. So, listen, that's a storyline to watch. Does Gesicki pop off at some point when he has no catches, two targets? no catches, one target in consecutive games. And does Tyreek Hill pop off if he has a couple of games with 40 or 50 receiving yards and only five or four targets? I, it's like anything else, man. Like when, when there's plenty of money and plenty of wins, people kind of have a tendency to shut up. But once the, like if the team's not winning, then all this like bubbly Mike McDaniel is the greatest guy, which he is stuff. People will, you know, turn. And it's, that's an amazing thing. If you think about it, man, they lost seven games in a row last year. And even though Brian Flores was like this mean uh, guy who was difficult to work with and tough, like the players didn't quit. They actually turned around the season. And so, you know, we're going to wait and see. And Gesicki has mentioned this. Everything is fine now in the spring, but what about when we hit adversity? 
What about when we hit a difficult patch? How how are we going to respond then? So some foresight for from Gesicki, who I wrote a story, uh, Tim, about the last time the Dolphins had a player actually playing on the franchise tag. And uh, it was a defensive lineman in 2013, and his name is escaping me because I didn't cover the team then. I'll have to look it up. Uh, but it, it, he was on the franchise tag, and in the first game, a defeat of the Cleveland Browns. During the game, he had a sack, and he gave the Dolphins sideline the middle finger because he was so unhappy that uh, about his contract situation and, and his usage. Uh, and I just can't imagine Gesicki turning and giving Mike McDaniel the middle finger. But uh, <laughs> that, that's the kind of dynamics that the franchise tag creates. It's a bad situation all around. And so we'll see if it becomes a problem for Gesicki uh, you know, later in the season. Right. The name you were looking for, Randy Starks in they 2013. Know, Starks, a pro bowler. And what's funny is even though he gave, I believe it was Joe Philbin, the middle finger, he played so well that they extended him at the end of the year. <laughs> it just goes to show you, like, you can get away with anything if you're highly productive. It doesn't matter what walk of life it is. You know, I, if I give my uh, boss, Nick Puglisi, the middle finger, Tim, do you think I'll still have a job tomorrow? <laughs> Nick would probably just laugh about it and walk away from you. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> And and also what I'm hearing is because I'm about two weeks out from my fantasy football draft, maybe want to avoid Mike Kosicki. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think there's a chance that after three straight years of receptions, receiving yards increasing, that he's going to uh, go back to his rookie rookie numbers. Uh, diminishing marginal utility. I believe I learned that in economics. All right, let's get to the defensive side of the ball. You know, that, that obviously expected to be the strong suit. Is there any player who's been added that might be a breakout star, or is this pretty much the same core? What's different about the defense this year? Well, the Dolphins bring back pretty much their entire defensive unit, and so there's players that are expected to make huge leaps this season. Uh, the pass rusher, Jalen Phillips, and the free safety, Javon Holland. These guys are future stars, absolute studs, tremendous draft picks by general manager Chris Greer. Both of them have looked really good in the spring, and, 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 and they're second-year players, and they're leaders, and they're alphas, and it's just, I mean, when you combine that with bringing back Emmanuel Ogba in free agency, Christian Wilkins taking a leap forward, Zach Siegler being one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the NFL. Xavier Howard being, despite not being a top 10 Madden cornerback, that's a joke, one of the best corners in the NFL. This should be a top five, top seven NFL defense in scoring and yards and turnovers. And it'll be very disappointing if it's not. And if it's not, all fingers will be pointed to defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who was retained. The question, of course, is, well, how good will Boyer be with Coach Brian Flores moving on? Some wondered how involved Flores actually was with this defense. Well, you know, you stole my next question because I was going to ask you about Xavier Howard being unhappy with his Madden rating. So why don't you just tell the people what that's about? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how Madden, uh, how Xavier is outside the top 10 uh, I don't know what they're looking at. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I know EA Sports 
that and those guys actually follow me and so i should send them a direct message sometimes they make uh in-season adjustments i don't know if maybe they can make a preseason adjustment to Xavier's rating but you don't want to piss off Xavier Howard. And so now he's mad about something. And so he's probably going to go out and get 12 interceptions. Um, and, you know, he's done a little more in this spring on the practice field than he has in recent years. So after having his contract adjusted upwardly for two consecutive seasons, um, it seems like he really wants to um, uh, put some time in on the practice field. And that does lead me to wonder if defensive coordinator Josh Boyer is tweaking the defense more than one might expect, because they're going to run the Patriots style defense again, which is good from a familiarity standpoint. But I think Boyer wants to make some changes. He even used the phrase wholesale the other day, which shocked me. I almost fell on the ground. I'm like, <laughs> you're going to make some wholesale changes. What does that mean? But I think to a coach wholesale means something differently than like it means to normal people. And coaches are not normal people. They're weird. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Different type of personality, that's for sure. So, you know, the next question I'm going to ask, you and Hal Habib, you had a, a series of stories this summer where you rated the top 25 players on the 2022 Dolphins. Now, before we unveil some names, how do you and Hal take a roster of, you know, some 60-plus players and say these are the top 25? Well, I suggested to Hal that we do this. Uh, because it would give us an ability to to pre-write the stories and then not have to, um, you know, worry about other than breaking news. We could take some time off in the summer, okay, which was a great idea. And, of course, Hal pushes back on everything. He's just <laughs> ne- never, he's just, you know, never happy, right? So he goes, well, what if we do, like, uh, you know, 10 or 15? And I go, no, I think it should be 25. People like 25. It's got to be top 25, Hal. It's always top 25. So he goes, well, what about 20? So we had this whole big negotiation back and forth. Finally, he agreed. I think I did about 16 of them. So I did, for the record, I did the majority of them. But, <laughs> but it, was, it was based on an aggregate. Basically, I sent him my top 25. He, he sent me mine. And then there, when there was a tie with points, which was basically in like six or seven instances, the aforementioned Nick Puglisi, our editor, broke the ties. So... Uh, I had Tyree Kill one. Um, uh, Hal Habib had Xavier Howard one. Very close. Gleesey broke the tie with Tyree Kill. The thing is, Tyree Kill six years in the NFL, six times a Pro Bowler. I mean, you know, what, how can you top that? And he's the fastest man in the NFL. I mean, it, as good as Xavier Howard is, I just couldn't say that at this moment in time, Xavier is better. Uh, you took away some of what I was trying to build up there, Joe, by saying number one, but that's all right. <laughs> Sorry to spoil it. Well, you know, he, if you look at the top 25, you're going to notice that the Dolphins have, like for the first time in a number of years, depth of talent. Like this is a good roster, this team, Tim, this team. Now remember, nine and a half wins average over the last two years. This team does not win nine or ten games minimum disappointing season for first-year coach Mike McDaniel. Remember, Adam Gase took the Dolphins to the playoffs, 10 wins his first year, 2016, my first year back on the beat. This is year seven for me in my return, year nine overall. Uh, and so this, this is the best team they've had since 16, no doubt. Well, you had Tua way down at number 12. 
which was, to me, one of the most surprising because you would think a quarterback would be a top five, if not a two or three player. So how did you find him to be so low? And was there discussion of moving him up? Yeah, the numbers were the numbers. I had him at 10, Hal had him at 14. So that's how you come up with the average of 12. Of course, I think my numbers are better than Hal's, but, you know, <laughs> my story, my stories are usually better than Hal's. So, you know, I'm just kidding, Hal. You're an, you're an, a, you're a very good person and a very good writer, and it's a pleasure to work with you. I don't want Hal to be a little too sensitive. Um, <laughs> not to make sure Hal listens to this. I don't know if he has the patience to listen to a podcast. We'll see. He's been on this before. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I think he uh, stepped in for me when I had a little bit of an off-season eye surgery. So thankfully, I'm able to see the practice field good enough. So that's good. I, I made it through, Tim. But um, what was the question? Oh, I, I had just asked about Tua being down at number 12, but I think that's all right. <laughs> no, I think it's, you know, listen, it, it tells you that the Dolphins have a lot of good players. And it tells you that from a national perspective and from a local perspective, the biggest question is the quarterback. Even bigger than the offensive line, even bigger than the first-year head coach. The quarterback. Can he be even what Teddy Bridgewater was last year in the NFL, which was the the, – I'm going to mess this up. I think he was the 12th best passer rating in the NFL. Dolphins would sign up for that. Tua, 2022, 12th best – Passer rating in the NFL, Dolphins would sign up for that. No, sure. Well, I'll give the top five. So number five was Emmanuel Ogba. The left tackle, uh, Teron Armstead, was number four. Uh, At number three, you had Jalen Waddell, the receiver. At number two, Xavier Howard. And then number one, Tyreek Hill, the receiver. So you had two receivers in the top three. Yet the top running back, Chase Edmonds, clocked in way down at number 18. So I guess you're not expecting the team to run the ball too much. It's going to be interesting. You know, Edmonds um, has never been a uh, bell cow. Is that right? Is it, they call it the bell cow or the workhorse, right? Something like that. There aren't a lot, there aren't, <laughs> do you have a third phrase? What's a synonym for bell cow and workhorse? Come on, Tim. Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. The, uh, the, the pack mule? I, I don't know. <laughs> lead, lead back. There you go. Uh, you know, listen, Edmonds is probably going to get most of the touches. Raheem Mostert is coming off a very serious injury. He told um, uh, ESPN the other day that he had a quarter-sized hole in the bone in his leg. That doesn't sound very good. Uh, uh, but, you know, so and Mostert's thing has been uh, if he's healthy, he's good. But can he stay healthy? Crazy statistic. In the last 50 years, no running back, no running back with 200 200- touches or more has averaged more yards per carry no running back 50 years in the whole league than Raheem Mostert so one healthy and on the field he's unbelievable player and he's done it in the Mike McDaniel offense so I do expect the Dolphins offense to be improved but I'm telling you man this Chase Edmonds is down there you said 18 because the Dolphins have a lot of good players good players good roster all right so now you know, I, I love prop bets and crazy things out of Vegas. So before we let you go, I'm going to throw some prop bets out here at you about the Dolphins, and I want to get your take. So the first one is they have Tua's season passing total at 3,950 yards. So if you're under. plunking down a bet, Benjamin, over or under? So you're going under on 3,950 yards. Under. 
Okay. Tua's interception total is set at 12 and a half. He had 10 last year in 13 games. Do you take the over or under? It's going to be around there, but this is a weird thing. But I watch every Tua game and every Tua practice. I've never in my life seen a guy who has more dropped interceptions against him. It's the weirdest thing. Defenders drop the ball. I don't know if it's the way he throws it. They drop it. So I'm going to say that it should be 17, but it's going to be 11. Okay. Going under. All right. Tyreek Hill has an over-under of 1,025.5 yards. To hit that, he'd have to average 61 yards a game over 17 games. So you're taking the under. You know, the under, I forgot about the 17th game. That's a real factor. That's a real factor. But, you know, does anybody actually play 17 games? This guy has been healthy throughout his career. You know, they're going to try to get him 1,000 yards, even if it's like in the last game, real close. I'd stay away from that bet. But because I think they're going to increase their runs, commitment to the run, I'm going to go under. Okay. Jalen Waddell is at 925.5 over or under. See, Waddle was a possession receiver last year. This year, they're going to really try to increase his yards per catch because it was ridiculous how low it was last year. I don't remember. It might have been in the, in the 90s, which is absurd for a player of his explosiveness. Um, you know, I, I think Cedric Wilson and Mike Kosicki and the running backs are going to get less targets than they would like. And I do think the entire offense is going to be focused around Hill and Waddle when healthy. So what was the number again? Nine? 925.5. Wow. Really, really close. I would go under. I would go under. I would go under, but it's, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd say like 890. Okay. Yeah, that the 925.5, that works out to about 54, 55 yards a game. So Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird, though, because receiver, even big guys who post big numbers in the rushing and receiving game, when you break it down by per game, it always seems low. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. oh, that's all? That's all? All right, last one. Tyreek Hill, who had nine touchdowns last year and 15 the year before, he is set at eight and a half. Do you take the over or under? I'll go over. I'm going to say that the Dolphins find a ton of ways to get Tyreek uh, touchdowns. I think he's going to have a big year from a touchdown perspective. Uh and Tua is good in the red zone and good on third down. So, so yeah, there, there you go. My bets are in. I feel comfortable. What was that, six wagers? I, I feel comfortable that anybody placing those six wagers would come out ahead, that they would win at least four of them. All righty. So if you place those bets, people, Joe Shad's email is – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, you know, the, between gambling and fantasy football – uh, you know, this podcast, our, you know, stories that that's a big driver, no doubt, no doubt. And I'm happy to serve. Yeah, there you go. Well, Joe, is there anything else you want to get in front of the audience before I let you out of here? No, just follow me on Twitter, Shad Joe, uh, follow my Instagram, Shad Joe. Um, do me a favor. If you heard this podcast, uh, tag me on Twitter. Let me know you heard it. If you read a column of mine recently at the Palm Beach Post, if you subscribed for 
one of our uh, introductory season offers. The, the price is really low for a digital subscription right now. Tag me on Shad Joe. My daughter is excited. She, she, she's, my daughter is here with me, and she thinks I sound like one of those YouTubers who say, subscribe on the link below. She loves YouTube. But, uh, yeah, let me know that, that uh, you're reading my stories and listening to this podcast. And thanks for having me, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. You did a great job being a salesman there. And Shad, for those who want to look him up, is S-C-H-A-D. So Joe Shad, Palm Beach Post. Joe, it's always a pleasure. Six down, and I know you'll be coming on during the season. So I look forward to number seven meeting with you here on the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I know the check's in the mail. Thanks, Tim. Absolutely, and that's going to do it for this episode. This week, I'll leave you with a quote by Tonight Show host Jimmy Fallon, who says... Thank you, preseason football, for having all the excitement, commercials, and timeouts of the regular season, but with none of the mattering. I appreciate it. Thank you. Join us again next time. <laughs>